back once again to this first off-season edition of Behind the Bench with Neil Francis. I am Gareth Hewish, and to my right is John Donovan. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, sir. And of course, the man in the marquee is Mr. Neil Francis. Hello, Neil. Hi, don't say it too loudly because JD doesn't like it when you say things like that. So I keep saying it. I don't want to bring it up again, but you know, Gaz hosts, and 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 you're the ex-player, and I I'm still yet to find my role. <laughs> you're the glue. Everybody, the glue, yeah. every team needs that glue guy, don't they? Okay, fine. Don't get my name on the show though. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got mine either. It's okay. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> we'll we'll do a rejig for the for the new season, okay, and we'll good. see. We'll get you on me. So we um are a few weeks or a few days removed from. The playoff weekend in Nottingham. Nottingham, the Motor Point Arena, a place that I used to absolutely detest for almost two decades. <laughs> but actually, it turns out it's all right. <laughs> and uh, the Devils got another playoff trophy, two in a row. And Neil, I've seen you uh, managed to get yourself a very fancy winner's cap. Yes, yeah. Pride of place. Yeah, I'm not really a cap guy, but you know, <laughs> I'll make exceptions when it's got you know champions written on it. So there we go. But did we all enjoy our weekends? John, I didn't get you? a cap, by the way. <laughs> I didn't get my name on the show, I didn't get a cap. No, but you, but did get, you did get a starring role in the Elite League Awards. Uh, yeah, you're few and you were the man of the, yeah. of the, yeah. of the weekend. More airtime than all of us put together. Mm. <sighs> I was relegated to stands as a, nothing but a, a drunken yob in a devil shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've said that, I did feel better. So. <laughs> but a very good weekend it was. Yeah. And... In terms of the Devils' legacy, being rebuilt, that's another big feather in the cap. So I thought today we'll take a look back at some of the earlier playoff victories. Uh, in particular, um, we'll kind of zone in on 93-94, but we'll touch on some others as well. And I think I'm going to start with you, John, and ask simply, when did what's your first memories of the playoffs as a Devils fan? And did the Cardiff fan base kind of understand what it was to begin with? I think they did because it was um, it was very much the marquee event of of British ice hockey. It, it you know it is still today, but um, you know back then it was covered on on grandstand. Um, it was in London. It was at Wembley, and of course Wembley is just a term that's synonymous with with sporting occasion. Um, and and you know, I think you knew that, that, that Wembley was a time where fans got together and it was just a special environment. So when the Devils were coming up in the second division and, and, and the first division, um, we would see Wembley on, on grandstand and it was known that that was the, the big event. And, uh, of course, the best music in, in, in hockey, the Brass Bonanza, which I still think should be our goal music. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's just me. Um, I think I will let it play out at the end of this podcast. Maybe we'll keep it yes. as an ending. Yeah. Yes. yeah. But I think, I think you're, you're totally right on that. Before we even had a rink in Cardiff, before mm. I really... Well, definitely before I knew anything about ice hockey, I remember watching Grandstand and seeing, you know, the Durham Wasps yeah. and the Murrayfield Racers, mm-hmm. um, Air and all yeah. those teams, uh, you know, on on Grandstand. And I think the fact that it's you're going to Wembley, yes, it doesn't matter how new your fan base is because you've got that football association yeah. with Wembley being the, the pinnacle of the season. Uh, I think that probably helped the, the very new Cardiff fan base. Mm-hmm. 
understand how special that occasion is because the whole playoff thing is very foreign to us mm-hmm. isn't it you know it's like oh, what do you mean you finished your league and then you've got more games mm-hmm. and, you know what do you mean how can there be two yeah. sort of champions or whatever but I think the fact that you're going down to Wembley and um, you know it's such a new club as well just yeah. you know just done almost impossible and win the the league first time in the yeah. top division and then you're going into Wembley and obviously that that final itself oh. is you know, still the most iconic yeah. final I think that there ever possibly can be just, just in terms of, of Devils fans knowing about Wembley I think if you remember the old ice hockey call Devils fans would know about Wembley because it was known on ice hockey call that in, in Wembley 88 John Wallace had gone down there to scout and this was the, the birth of, of checkbook hockey and he came back from Wembley and he'd signed the Coopers and, and, and Steve Moria um, from Durham and, and Fife respectively. So Wembley was almost this mythical place where you know had the association with football and going to Wembley. That was where rumours for the whole off-season started and it's just where big things happened. And then, um, yeah, I know we, we're maybe going to save it for another uh, episode, but but still my, my favourite, most iconic memory in Devil's history um, would, would be the 90 final against Murrayfield, the penalty shots and Stephen Cooper's uh, tying goal, which I think is the greatest goal in Devil's history, although Gleason Fournier is, is, you know, pushed it close a couple of weeks ago in Nottingham. Still, so even all that's happened <clears throat> is that that view is still the top game, top goal, top moment. I think so, because I think you, you got to remember, I'm, I'm what well, I'm slightly older than you guys I'm slightly younger than Franny so what would I have been I'd, in 1990 I'd have been about 8-9 and I think it was just it was it was magical uh, I remember you know um, uh, being a little teary when we were 6-4 down going into the last sort of 7 or 8 minutes of the third period thinking well the Devils don't lose and our first time at Wembley and we're not going to have this this big uh, this big finish and then um, Dougie McEwen scored a great goal and then just the drama of of the, of the winning goal and and Coops goes in and he puts it in and he crashes through Martin McKay and he takes the net off um, and it got even better when I got home then and watched the the game with Barry Davis's commentary and I'm gonna oh. say you know Barry Davis is legend legend yeah, yeah. Um, and and if you ever get a chance to watch that game in full with Barry Davis's commentary it's it's just a treat or just ask JD because I'm pretty sure I could do the words yeah, yeah, yeah. word for word as, as can probably most people of that era yes. that were fans there about you know yeah. Tony Hand yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the best British player yeah. again yeah. Tony Hand has missed twice and he misses for a third time mm-hmm. and smashes his stick against Good. the crossbar and surely you don't need telling that the Cardiff Devils <laughs> so cool. See, I knew he could yeah. do that. I know. So, just, you, you maybe not quite got the grandfather voice yet, but I in about, not yet. you know, yeah. Give me two, 30, two or three years, years time, yeah. it'll be all right. Yeah. So in that final, so I would have been 14. Yeah. Uh, I would have been playing hockey for <clears throat> just under two years, I think. Um, so I went down with my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, it was our first ever yeah. championship. So I think we got last, last minute mm-hmm. tickets. Um, for our tickets were in that block, lower tier, like right, right yeah. in the against the glass, that block, um, which was a Murrayfield Racers section. So the only people in there supporting Cardiff, I had a white devil shirt on, so mm-hmm. I stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> and you can actually see me on the footage yeah. as well, like <laughs> celebrating when all the Murrayfield players, you know, and fans got their head in their hands. So the only people from Cardiff are. For, for that shootout yeah. behind the net because that, that's the end it was at yeah. and me my dad and Janine the goal judge yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so before that 90s playoff 
um, final. Yeah. What, what was the playoffs like? Was there any playoffs in the lower leagues? As the Devils rising up? We, we well, we actually our first season in '86, we we had the Division Two playoffs in the Wales National Ice Rink. So the Wales National Ice Rink was the new rink at the time. Um, funny to think all you know that time back, but we 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 had the best facility and the new facility. So. Um, yeah, we, we lost to Aviemore in, in the in the Division Two. Uh, we lost ten nine uh, when Aviemore had Brian Wilkie and Brian Dixon and Archie Nelson and, and Brian Canawisher, uh, all of which then came to, to grace Cardiff. And then in Division One, when when you got there, if, if you won the league, which Cardiff did in in um, eighty nine, you went into a promotion relegation playoff against um, the team that finished bottom of the Premier League. So we beat Telford, won the first division championship. We played um, Streatham in the promotion relegation. I think Streatham, if I remember correctly, were pretty confident they were going to beat mm-hmm. us. And then we won something like twelve one at home. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then went down to to, to London and won eight four or eight five or something and that was yeah. that was pretty special. That, that's crazy. Isn't it? Thinking back to promotion relegation playoffs, yeah. I mean it's the, the gulf between the leagues is obviously big. You, you know, if you equate it to sort of Premier League these days, imagine yeah. having you know for that last spot, the, yeah. you know the the third place team play in the third last team in the Premiership, Absolutely. playing against the playoff winners. I mean. It, it, it should never happen. No. One should never beat the other. But like no. on the day, I guess if you, if you're a team like Cardiff were who were stacked, like you said, Lawless went shopping, didn't yes. he? <laughs> uh, he put together pretty much a Premier League he team did. that smashed that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only Telford, I think, were our yeah uh, Medway that year. Medway, Medway as well yeah. with Luke Shabbat yeah. and Kevin McNaughton, Kevin McNaughton. And, and, yeah. and all those. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had the t- two best British players. Yeah. You know, aside from Tony Hand in the in mm-hmm. the country, and you know Steve Maria, yeah. who probably would you know would have been the top import in the Premier League that year, but playing Division playing One. Division One, so they were special times. Just a quick geography question: Where on earth is Aviemore? Aviemore <laughs> is a skiing resort in the very north of, of Scotland. Uh, <laughs> it's worrying I know so much about Aviemore. So this was like a <laughs> this was like a holiday skiing centre, and and it was a, a, a rink. I, I don't think they had any seating; it was just standing, but. Scotland is great on winter sports, and a lot of people went there. Uh, young guys, I guess, working there during during the winter season. Uh, it just so happened you had a whole lot of good ice hockey players there. And um, is, it, is it still going that Aviemore Sports Centre? I think I, I'm not. I think it might be. Maybe just a skiing part. Or maybe just know. a skiing yeah, part. Yeah. But but they did produce, didn't they? I mean, they had oh, like, obviously huge. Wilkie and yeah, Dixon, Dixon and, and, and Archie Nelson and and Brian Canwish is always someone who we don't really talk about in Devils because you talk about Lawless and rightly so. He founded the club, but. Canawisher was someone who came down and, and maybe didn't have the, the biggest role going, but it was just a, a steady Eddie on the bench as bench coach. And, and he was coach of the year that year. We won um, the 1990 uh, playoffs and he, he left shortly afterwards to go to air. And uh, he's a guy I always sort of uh, fondly remember. That's your role on this podcast right there. Do you think me or Fanny would know anything about Aviemore <laughs> as a place and a team? We're going on our summer vacation. <laughs> Talking about that, I will forget about this. Talking about going yeah. to places, um, I'd just like to point out that in a previous episode, John Donovan congratulated me on booking the Gateway Hotel yeah, in Nottingham <laughs> for my upcoming engagement, which I haven't actually enga- <laughs> proposed to anyone yeah, for. It was a joke. And thank you to the people who uh, congratulated me and my girlfriend on that engagement <laughs> at the forthcoming wedding party in the Gateway yeah. in Nottingham. Yeah, um, it didn't happen. 
Um, and should but you dined out on it all week. <laughs> yeah, had your weekend beers. Taken yeah, care yeah. Of. But thank Absolutely. you for the bottle of champagne. And Absolutely, <laughs> I will uh, return it when uh, and I actually do get engaged yeah. and go to somewhere much. But in all in all truthfulness, I believe the christening is taking place <laughs> in the gateway. I think I'm banned from the gateway after like not being very complimentary about <laughs> the beds and, and the rest of it and the wedding party. <laughs> You got a few more hotel stories you're going to tell us in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, let's get straight into it. Barry, what's your first memory of going to the playoffs as a player? What uh, year was it? Uh, so it was. I think it was my first full time year with the Devils. Um, so the year before, I played like a few games that mm. I. Yeah, I, I filled in and I think Robbie Hill had, yeah. had walked out because he had enough of not playing and then I, I asked Lawless, I was like, well, do you need anyone this weekend? He's like, yeah. Um, actually, Robbie Hill's just walked out. So I, I played a few games that year. The next year was my first kind of full season and it was, you know, it was the kind of kid line, wasn't yeah. it? It was myself, Simon Keaton. So this um, was 92, 93? This is 92, 93. Myself, Simon Keaton, James Manson. Richard Townsend wasn't, I think he played like a handful mm. of games, but not so much this year. Yeah. But we were the main three, uh, along with Lee Carson. Yeah. And then obviously the goalies you had, yeah, Sean, Sean Ward, Ward and John Paul Guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that like when we first stepped into the Devils team, you know, you hear all the stories about, you know, the call-ups and, you know, all, all, you know the, all the stuff that used to go on with the younger players, and it was quite intimidating. Um, we decided early doors to turn that on its head. So we created the backseat posse. Mm-hmm. So we decided that if they are going to, you know, wh- whatever, to initiate us and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, we're not just going to take it on the chin like guys <laughs> have done in the past. We are going to face it head on and we're going to see how we do. Yeah. So f- I think first road trip, we jump on the bus and we just head straight for the back of the bus and we put our pillows down, we put our bags down and they were our seats. And... You know the senior guys are looking, going like, you know, who are these guys? Normally you'd step on, you'd sit at the front, you yeah. wouldn't say a word. And we invited them back if you, if they had a problem with it, and you know, come and see us. And I think we had like a, a cockiness and a, um, I know, like we were a bit more fun. And you know, we would call, like we would try and like wind up, say Chinny to yeah. come back, and he'd come back and he'd like smash us with dead legs and stuff like that. But as he's doing that to one of us. Somebody's jumped on his back and then the other one's jumped on his head and then there's a mad <laughs> wrestling going over the seats and yeah. you know and guys would see that and I think in the end they just thought, you know what, I think it's safer just to leave them, you know, these, these clowns, <laughs> just let them down there. So we, we got a home in the, in the back seat. So I think from day one we sort of established ourselves that we weren't just going to be these, yeah. you know, meek, uh, timid kids that are just going to be, um, you know, uh, quite afraid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We used to... Love getting Brabant back down there because he would, you know, come down with a bit of a swagger, and we would jump him yeah. and like jersey him, and you know, we, like like raptors coming from all angles. On him. And, um, so that so that was the reason I'm telling that bit is I mean we were the kid line. Yeah. I was probably 17 this year. Keats was 16. Mance mm. was 15, maybe even 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we're going into Wembley and there's no way that we're going to play. So John Lawless actually put us up in a separate hotel. 
because he didn't want to be a, a distraction to the, to the rest <laughs> of the team. Yeah, yeah to, to the proper team. So they put us in the Green Man, if you remember yeah. the Green Man, because there's not that many hotels around. No, there. no, there's there was the Hilton, yeah. there was the Green Man, and the team stayed in some kind of lodge a little bit further yeah. out, away from all the kind of distractions of, of Wembley weekend. Um, so they put us in there, which was like amazing. And um, I, rem- <laughs> I remember we were getting so excited for this trip away to Wembley. We'd heard amazing things about Wembley and, you know, we, we were staying in a different hotel. I, th- I seem to remember Mance having to take some of his luggage out of his bag to accommodate the beers that we'd somehow <laughs> managed to get hold of. So we'd gone onto the bus for the championship and, and our priority was where we're we going to put these beers and, you know, and, and can we hide the clink as yeah. they get brought on the bus and all that so um yeah my my first memories of Wembley are a lot of fun because yeah. you know we were not expected to play so you know we're young and mm-hmm. you know when you're young you all you want to do is have a, a couple of beers yeah. and um so there's that aspect of it and the other thing that was mega exciting for a 16 17 year old is that it was Heineken, obviously Heineken was, Championships. Yeah. They had kegs in your room, <laughs> in like in your locker room. They had yeah. kegs in there, um, and, you, and back then it was a Friday game, Saturday was, game, Friday and then Saturday, 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 yeah, we played a Friday game. I think yeah. so we had we had like two nights up there, yeah. so it was even better. Um, <laughs> so that you had Heineken water bottles as well, and we used to go down and we go in the, the dressing room, we'd fill up our Heineken water bottles with Heineken yeah. and then we could walk around the arena and we were like <laughs> you know we were undercover but we were having yeah, a few beers yeah. in the afternoon rehydrating and after the games <laughs> they used to bring you burger and chips which is was the best thing ever <laughs> they used to bring in crates of like cheeseburgers like as many fries as you can imagine and like as kids we, we thought that was the best thing ever like we've, this, we've made it you know this is what the pros is like <laughs> You know, they got beer on tap to help yourself. You put in a hotel, you know, and the management don't even want to keep an eye on you, and you get burger and chips after the game. So that's hockey. Yeah. So the Wembley weekend was basically an eight-year-old's birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like a stag do. Fifteen, sixteen-year-old stag do. I think. Yeah. That's not bad. What was uh, the atmosphere like on the bench? You'd experience it as a fan, of course, in Wembley. What was it like? being on the bench and on the ice listening to, to that Wembley crowd. So if, if I remember rightly, we had won the league that year already. Yeah, we? Yeah, we were, that was the Grand Slam year. So yeah. yeah, the Grand Slam year. So, we'd already won, so we, we had like a winning team established. Mm-hmm. So it was a very, very confident team. Yeah. I don't think there was... I certainly didn't pick up on any nerves from any of the guys because we knew we had Mario. No, sorry, we didn't have Mario. Kijou, sorry, year, we knew yeah. we had Kiju, we knew we had Hilton Ruggles, mm-hmm. we knew we had the Coopers. Um, you know, who were the top scorers in the league and, um, you know, Chinny is one yeah. of the best Brits and, I mean, we can talk about him again in terms of yeah. the playoffs just ignited oh, Chinny, did, didn't, didn't it? it? Yeah. Um, but it was, it was very confident and I, I just remember it being so exciting, like the music pumping out and got to mention Norman de Mosquito. Oh, the late great, yeah. The late great, legend of an announcer. And, you know, he had that very distinct voice, yes. you know, and it was always, it's warm-up time for yeah. the Cardiff Devils. Absolutely. And you'd go out and they'd announce you one by one yeah. as well. So that was something that was different as well, because obviously at home, you know, you all jump on the ice at mm-hmm. the same time, they line up the blue line and you get announced, or line up the goal line and get announced mm-hmm. to the blue line. But this was, you know, spotlight. a spotlight. Yeah. Um, 
a spotlight on you coming from your bench onto the ice. So the only thing you just worry about is just make sure my first step out there, that I don't toe pick, I yeah. don't catch the boards and go down. You know, that, that was the yeah. that was probably in that first year anyway. The, I don't drop my burger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I make sure I swap my Heineken water bottle for water one yeah. this time around. But um, you know, and, and some like uh, music as well that yeah. kind of takes you back. Um, but again, you know, yeah, I mean, brass bonanza, uh, gold music. Yeah. Um, you know, back then there was a lot of kind of the rivalry wasn't there against yeah. Durham, so all of yeah. the fans chanting basically against Durham the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you know, it's as magical as you can as you can yeah. get in a sporting occasion, really. Not Nottingham is great, and I, I people talk about moving Nottingham now, and I think Nottingham location, city centre, what have you. Um, there's not many bad things to say about Nottingham, but maybe again it's going back to just being a, a kid. Obviously, Franny was playing, but. Um, and being brought up in, a, in a, a football family before getting into ice, but the idea of going to Wembley, still even now, um, if there was any way, maybe of just getting it back there even for one year or in the future when when Neil Black establishes something there, there was something quite special and exciting about going to Wembley. What capacity are we talking for a playoff weekend? I think oh, it was just eight and a half, nine. Yeah, nine just thousand. the same. Yeah, as, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You could fill that yeah. easily. Yeah, and it, and it was rammed. And the other thing <clears> I used to love about Wembley was you had that concourse didn't you going yeah. round underneath and every single unit was yeah. a hockey shop it so was. like so you have um skate attack mm-hmm. in london um the guy i forget his name now but he'd bring it you know he'd have like a kind of yeah. uh, store for a weekend you had ice hockey news review had yeah. a store for the weekend you had all different people selling all different things from hockey equipment to hockey shirts mm-hmm. to memorabilia so instead of it being like a food no. hall which is like nottingham is um it like literally was, it was like related, it was like yeah. a hockey, like a hockey fan's dream because every there were so many stores around yeah. there, wasn't there? That yeah. uh, you could you could get lost there. Yeah, for, so you'd spend the time between games wandering yeah. around there in and out of the yeah the, the shops as well. You have to remember, I have the stingiest father in the world who <laughs> wouldn't give any money to buy these things, so I was allowed to look, but not. <laughs> so, yeah. Of course, when we the the surrounding area has been totally redeveloped mm-hmm. these days, a lot more to do. Yeah. Um, you're making shots. a pitch to get it back to yeah. Oh, why not? Let's see how powerful this podcast is. I mean, yeah. Once that delight money kicks in any yeah. day now. And day. Heineken, are yeah. yeah. going to pump uh, <laughs> a bit into it? Absolutely. Yeah. But they want to be disassociated with underage drinks. <laughs> yes, just yeah. to clarify. So maybe we go for Wimpy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you win, uh you win that, finish off the Grand Slam. Uh, you've already partied for what seemingly two days beforehand. What were the celebrations like for the uh, actual winning? We should probably give playing. Jason Wood a shout out because he was the first netminder to ever get a shout out yeah. at Wembley. Yeah, what well, he did, didn't he? Friday night against Murrowfield. Yeah. And he wasn't actually beaten until late in the second period against Humberside in, in, in the final. Kevin yeah. McNaught scored against him. So I think Jason Wood, because he was the last year of Heineken sponsorship that year, and I think he set the record for the first shutout at Wembley and the longer shutout. So. Uh, I think Jason listens in, doesn't he? Woody listens I'm in. I'm sure well. he does, yeah. yeah. Um, Especially yeah. if we tag him in, he'll listen yeah. to it. Yeah, we'll tag him in. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, um, he was still a very young goalie, he wasn't was, he? Yeah. You know, he was a very young goalie. We brought him in from, I think, Medway at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Peterborough to Medway and then, yeah. 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 Um, and, yeah, to, you know, he gets a shutout at Wembley against... He took on the mantle that year, didn't he? Because Jeff Smith had obviously been yeah. the devil's great yeah. and, and was the netminder who famously saved the penalty shot. But, you know, the, the, 
Jeff was a senior netminder, 1991, 91-92, and 91-92 was a bit of a turbulent year for the Devils. We lost, that was the year we lost 13-0 to Durham and the Coopers and, and, and what have you. So Lawless made the bold decision to, to, to go with Jason Wood for, for 92-93, and Jeff Smith uh, was released and went to Basingstoke and, and did very well there. But, you know, Jason Wood was coming in, as Franny said, a guy who, who'd never played a lot of... Um, Ice as a first choice netminder, and he was still what 21 22, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And in his first year as a proper pro and a proper starting netminder, he not only won the Grand Slam, and albeit he was behind a great team, but then he goes to Wembley and, and gets a shutout against the famous, uh, famous Murrayfield Racers, yeah, you know, who were a big team, you know, yeah. they were still a good team. Still had Tony Hand, uh, not sure if they still, they don't think they still Chris had Chris Palmer would have been that's there. right, yeah. I yeah. mean, you look at that lineup that mm. they had, it was. Yeah, you look, you look at that air as well. Shutouts are not a, uh, uh, d- d- a common. Yeah. I mean, the fact <laughs> that we had, we had nine. <laughs> yeah, we had nine shows you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I have to tip my hat to uh, Jason Wood as well because that, uh, that is probably my first memory of Devils hockey. Is going in to the rink and seeing him warm up and seeing that his mask his was mask. decorated. Yeah, yeah. As, as a kid, was just like yeah. yeah. I sort think, of wow, they, that, that, that is the coolest thing yeah, I've ever seen. Little Woody Woodpecker thing yeah, going on. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so I always had a. Uh, Got beaten up by Brian Cox, though, just want to. Yeah. <laughs> With his own helmet. Uh, in the next iconic moment in, in British hockey history. <laughs> That's the second time I think you've mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could get that in every episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, the celebrations. Sorry. Right, we still. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's. Back then, I think I said this before, because you've gone straight into a winning team and the team's won the league, you know, just won the playoffs, it was, um, it was just, I wouldn't say it was special because you didn't know what not winning mm-hmm. felt like. So it was just like, oh, here we go, another trophy. It's wicked because yeah. we, get, we get hats and we get beer cans to tip over <laughs> each other. And like, you know, what do you do to celebrate? I think you jump up and down. You know, we didn't really know what we were doing, but it was it was just like fun fun to be part of it. Yeah. I don't think we touched the ice. Um, you know the you know the, the well young Welsh boys. You know, nine nil the night mm-hmm. before. We were probably the one ones that we're hoping would he let one in because then we get a shift like, <laughs> yeah. we get on the ice yeah. mind now he's not putting us out there so yeah. uh, we're probably the ones hoping for, uh, for Carmen or Tony yeah. Hand to step up but um, uh, yeah I mean it was you know we hadn't played and we probably mm-hmm. didn't expect to play although you always want to get that you know a couple of shifts at the end especially mm-hmm. at Wembley but uh, you know it was just like that at the time was just what happened is yeah. that you had a season and at the end of it you get a trophy yeah. and you you know, you throw beer over each other, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and I remember as well in Wembley they had a wicked um, tent, like a VIP tent yeah. outside, and they gave us passes. And when you got a pass, you could literally get anything you want from the bar, yeah. cocktails, and all that. So that was another, you know, that was our other sort of first glimpse of this is what this is what it is like in the pros. You get free burgers, yeah. beers, and then cocktails after the game. I love that we're doing a review of playoffs, particularly Wembley. The ex-player is talking about booze and food, <laughs> yeah. and the fan has got the hockey memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you don't remember anything of that. <laughs> 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 of, of, of checking into the green man yeah. and coming back home on the bus. Just yeah. a blur. Exactly. <laughs> I assume the way back, the backseat party are a bit more subdued. <laughs> no, I think I think we were worse because, like, if, if I remember rightly, if it was this year or the year after, um, but the GB guys mm. used to go straight to the World Championships yeah. 
after Wembley. Mm -hmm. So they didn't come home. So we had even more like run of the roost there because yeah. like, you know, we were we like there, were, yeah. there, there was no one else on the bus. Team. Yeah, exactly. You know, half the team was yeah. gone. So we were we were out there and it yeah. was yeah, like all the way home was a big party, you know, yeah. we're stopping off we're not getting food, we're getting more beers and then it was like <laughs> You know, you got three hours to kill on the way home. So was Lawless like a babysitter, or did he just let you guys get on with it? I think he's on GB, wasn't he? He probably yeah, yeah, yeah. off with GB at that time. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so that was ninety two, ninety three, and we'll just talk quickly about the, the format of uh, the playoffs very mm. quickly. These days, a much shorter format. Mm. You get your quarterfinals, mm -hmm. two-legged affairs, semi-final Saturday, final on the Sunday. Mm. Um, in these early 90s uh, Wembley playoffs, are we talking round-robin group stages, Joe? Yeah, we are. And, and you know, this is not to, to <coughs> criticise the current Elite League, because I, I get the argument why we can't do group stages as much as I love. You know, the arena teams, can they guarantee ice time? It's expensive, what have you. So um, I'm sympathetic to, to the Elite League and, and don't want to jump on their back. But the group stages were great because you... you We've talked about this in a previous podcast. The whole structure of the season was great because you came in, you played the B and H Cup or the Autumn Cup before you've even that's done before you played the league. Before game, you played the league yeah. games, so you've gone through the group stages. You've you've ironed out any kinks, what have you. Then October, you get into the league. Um, you play the knockout stages of the Benson Hedges, and the finals done in in December. So it's it's done that side of Christmas, and it feels like a standalone trophy. Then not something you're trying to do as a rush at the end of the season. Then you play the league till I don't know the first week of of March. And then you know you've still got three weeks, four weeks of hockey left where you play this round-robin competition. Yep. The the top six, I think, qualified and then became the top eight. And, and you've, you've got the two groups of three or two groups of four. And again, I'm not saying hockey was better back then, but we had some benefits. We had a TV deal with, with the BBC. So it was on, you know, you could watch playoff games, um, um, even the group stages on, on grandstand. Um, and, and the whole thing was, was to get to Wembley. And we all know... Whilst Franny said earlier, it, it's weird in this country that we've got the British football mentality that the league is the most important. We all know playoff hockey, for whatever reason, goes up a notch. It just does. So to have more playoff hockey, to have those round-robin games was, for me as a fan at the time, um, you know, I would love to go back to that. Yeah, even um, first-year imports that come over here that don't understand, you know, that it's four games to win mm. the playoffs, which is, you know... And they, they just don't get it that it's not the best of series yeah. and, and all that kind of thing. Whenever they go to that weekend, they come back and say, well, yeah, you just can't get rid of this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's such a special weekend. Mm -hmm. It's one that, you know, lives in their, their memory, especially if you win if it. If you win the last game. Yeah, you, you win can. the last game. I think if you don't win it, then you just, oh, they, they only won four games. Yeah. But if you win it, then you know how magical winning that last game yes. is. And I think, you know, right now in this summer, our fan base is probably on a bit more of a high yeah. Belfast because, you know, the, the last taste you've mm -hmm. got is a victory or, or defeat. Um, and, you know, we've been there as yeah, well. We you have. know, we've, we've been there as well where we won the league and then Sheffield beat us mm -hmm. in that uh, however many overtimes yeah. it was. And it left that, you know, that yeah. sour taste. And, yeah. and, that, and that Sheffield can actually call themselves champions, mm -hmm. but we were way better than them in mm -hmm. the season. But they can call themselves <laughs> champions. Yeah, of course they can. And, and rightly so, but uh, I think the one change that I would like to make, and I do get the argument about ice time and stuff mm. like that, is I think that the quarterfinals, mm. the first matchups, could go to a best of three. three. Yeah, and, and you have a provisional game on that Tuesday night. Yeah. You offer it to the 
higher seed. Mm-hmm. If they can't accommodate it, then the other team gets yeah. to do it. So between, if you think of the typical matchups on there, I mean, the only time I think it would be it would become a massive issue is if it was you know the arena team. So yeah. Belfast, Brayhead, Nottingham, Sheffield involved. Sheffield have got uh, I Sheffield mm-hmm. as a fullback. I think Belfast have still got Dundonald as a yeah. fullback. Um, Nottingham, okay, they don't have yeah. one, but then they have, they'd have to hand it over to one mm-hmm. of the other teams. And and Brayhead, I mean, if they couldn't get it again, they'd have to hand it over mm-hmm. to the lower seed team and that. And I think you could do that, and it just means that you could get blown out in yeah. game one, which we saw Belfast Coventry yeah. this year. And you, you know, can write it off. Yeah, you can write it off. Instead, what happens is the Coventry goalie doesn't yeah. even play in that second leg. I think mm-hmm. he was he'd had enough of what he'd seen the night before. Yeah, and he doesn't even play. So it was a gimme for Belfast to go through. However, yeah. if that's just Belfast's one-up, Coventry yeah. got the chance to equal that series at home. You know, we saw what they did to us in the last year yeah. in the season. They could have, you know, they could have had the game of their lives again. Yeah. And then it's a one-one series, and then you go back to Belfast for a, a game decided on Tuesday. I, I I do agree with that. I, I you know, speaking to Todd before, whether that would be kind of the best of both worlds. You're not committing to lots of dead rubber games, and you're not committing to lots of ice time. But is there the potential, as, as Franny said, just to have that one more game? So you have that North American style um, best of series, albeit a best of three, and then you go to this unique setting of a, of a final four. And I think if you had that, it would almost be the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. I see, but we've already tried to get it back to Wembley. Let's see if we can get a yeah, yeah. final best of three as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone can, assess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on to 93-94 then. Um, this is a season with a European trip. Yep. So <laughs> already, if uh, the uh, frivolities so that, of that the Latvia trip, yeah, the dead, yeah, yeah. The, the the cockroaches in the hotel trip, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. dead body in the canteen trip. Is this? No, I think no, that, that was the year after. That was the year after. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're, you're you're away from seeing someone perish. Yeah, and so many insects at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, fresh off the uh, frivolity of the Wembley trip in yeah. the playoffs. Very shortly after, in the autumn, there's a European trip. Yeah. And uh, what's the league looking like in 93-94? We probably will go a bit more in-depth on it in future because it's the Rick Brabant year, which yeah. I know John will want to... Can I just say, I had the biggest... And, I, and this sounds like I'm Facebook stalking. And, and I suppose I was Facebook stalking. <laughs> but you know, when you, you know when you get suggested friends on Facebook? Yeah. For the first time ever, I don't know why, and I don't know if... Uh, Rick Brabant came up as a suggested <laughs> friend. Maybe so. I thought, I am going to do a bit of Facebook stalking. And I looked at Rick Robant. I had the biggest disappointment of my life because, and, and forgive me if this is your political views at home, Rick Robant is a big Trump, Donald Trump fan. Is he really? He's pro-Trump. And all over his Facebook page is, is pro-Trump stuff. So <laughs> this guy who is kind of on a pedestal, I, I don't know, it broke my heart. But yeah, anyway, uh, sorry. It's still, John, 208 points, 44 games. Oh, don't get me wrong, I've, I've forgiven him, but, but, but you know, it's, it's just. Anyway, the, the league itself, um, that was the, the first year. There was the. I've got to say, the, the, the thing that annoyed me the most, it was the year after Heineken sponsorship, and the Devils won the league again, and it was the worst trophy in the world we were given. It, it, but you're, you're drinking a bottle of a famous American beer, and it was smaller than that. It was the worst trophy ever. <laughs> but. Um, the Devils, they had one change. Kajir went out, Brabant came in, and everyone knows my feelings towards Rick Brabant. But the start of the season was pretty 
iffy. We were winning, but not winning well. And I think, you know, it was a bit lackluster. Ian Cooper had a long injury. Um, he got injured in a preseason game. And so Johnny Lawless actually came back out of retirement and was playing on the first line with with Ruggles and, and Brabant. So we were winning and we were top, but we, we lost in the B&H final to Murrayfield. And really didn't turn up for that. I think Murray Hansen was great, and they they beat us in like seven two. Well, that might be Nottingham the year after, but Murrayfield beat us in the Benson Hedges Cup. But then when Ian Cooper came back in December, everything clicked into gear, and and you know we just we piled drive the lead. I remember Stephen Cooper got a hundred points that year for a defenseman was uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, so so he got a hundred points. Brabant was great. Cooper was great. Ruggles was great. Dougie McHugh and Jason Stone, Nicky Chin on the second line. Um, and and uh, yeah, we, we won the league at home to Humberside uh, and we got given this trophy that was the size of a, an egg cup uh, and I remember Paul Heavey wasn't particularly happy about that so that, that was that was the league season and, and uh, it, it maybe wasn't as um, flowing as the year before but we were still pretty dominant the Top six scorers for the Devils all scored 100 points or more Yeah Which is phenomenal <laughs> when you think about it it's worrying. I know Stephen Cooper got his at Billingham. There we go. 114 in all. Mm-hmm. 84 assists. Yeah. It, so it, Gleason got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, he has. Yeah. Not, not, not a million miles away. No. <laughs> in a very different era. Yeah. Finally, what was this year like for you? A few, a bit more responsibility, a bit more sort of chipping away into that lineup. Yeah, I think the year before, as our first year as the kid line. You know, we'd gone up there and we'd put in some good shifts or whatever. Um, I think this year, I personally probably started to take it a bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, started trying to fill out in the frame a little bit. And um, and then Towns joined us as well. So yeah. we all of a sudden we had like three of us. And, and myself, Simon Keating and Richard Townsend had played um, on a line together for probably four years. For juniors and we you know been successful we mm. we were the first team from the south i think to win um you know whatever trophy yeah, it was Satans, yeah, yeah. You know, we got them promoted into, into the a division then won mm. the, the the south a division um so we were used to playing with each other and we complemented each other mm. quite well i was pretty quick keats was very smart and had good hands and towns had a rocket of a shot so you know it was it was a nice sort of dynamic on there and i think where lawless was i mean he he loved kind of playing two lines, but he, I think he kind of understood that we could maybe play a role in terms of giving guys a breather as long as we went out and we were responsible and we, we demonstrated that to him, mm-hmm. I think, over the year. Um, so it was nice, actually, to start feeling like you were contributing rather than just yeah. kind of sitting on the bench. Absolutely. You finished the league season with five points. Two goals, three assists. I have you. Is that the highest scoring year you've had? Or? No, no. <laughs> no. I'm sure I had six ones. <laughs> uh, no. Um, do you know, I, I can't even remember back then like where my goals were. I mean, I don't know if maybe if some if I mean was that the year that we had face off going? Yeah, face off was still going. Yeah. The year before you scored that goal against I scored Whitley, that first one against Whitley. We, we, yeah, I'm trying to think about that one. Yeah. Um, I think you. I, this is really weird. I think we played Sheffield first game of the season, maybe, or in pre you know, season. Claude Dumas was playing for them. I think you scored in that because we were wearing our red kits at home because this was the year of the strawberry top. 
Because um, <laughs> Claude Dumas was playing for Sheffield. I'm trying to think. I should know. I feel like I've let you down now. But mm. I don't know where yeah. you scored your... Well, if, I think, feel I've let myself down. <laughs> <laughs> my own goals, because there weren't that many. <laughs> to forget, I should know everyone off by heart. But uh, <laughs> No, I mean, it was... Uh, I mean, you look at the handful of points that we got as a, a yeah. third line. I think that was... You know that was the bonus mm. all we were sent out there to do and lawless would drill it into us is yeah. not get scored on don't get scored on don't get scored on and, yeah. you know sometimes it would be that we would come on later on in the game where we would got a 5-1 mm-hmm. that was typically the score 5-1 was yeah. was normally the sign to yeah. get warmed up and it was it was never great when you're in sort of five four no uh, Murrayfield, when you're absolutely freezing, you've been sat there for two hours, yeah. and you go five one up, and you think, yeah, I know, we're going to get the nod there, but uh, yeah, um, God, I can't even imagine going out after sitting down for two hours. Just, now yeah. I think I'd fall apart. But back then, you're young and supple, and yeah. you do it, so we'd go out. So anything. we obviously picked up, uh, you know, a few points as the season went on. But our, our primary job was, you know, you throw us out there to give the the top guys a breather yeah. and not get scored on. And to be honest, to be fair to Franny, you know, because. Guys, we, we haven't paid, played guys and, and Franny you know we, we have a bit of a laugh around the table but Franny was a good player and, and I think what you mentioned the European trip a, a minute ago and a couple of laughs about, but but that's when the third line started getting trusted was was you, you, we couldn't go to the European Cup and just play two line hockey and we, we spoke about Gary Stefan coming in before and that year he, he helped support the third line but you know I think um, particularly that year in Europe we got some suspensions Shannon Hope got suspended from the first game I think Ruggles was thrown out as well so the third line had to be used and, and they proved their worth in Europe and, and kind of from that European trip then they were used more and more as the as the season went on yeah no, that's a good point and a good memory jog yeah that, that <laughs> European trip yeah we you know, he did start to roll like three lines, which was unheard of because, I mean, even there, there was loads of games where we felt we should be getting ice mm-hmm. time and Lawless was quite, you know, he wanted his main guys out there. He wanted to keep all them happy. But, yeah, going up against those kind of ex-Soviet yeah. teams, um, he had no choice. So he just thought, well, yeah, I'm going to throw the, you know, the young legs out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could skate pretty well. Yep. So, and there we weren't, there wasn't any pressure on us to do anything with the puck. I mean, Lawless is... He just wanted us to ice the puck, ice yeah. the puck, ice the puck. You know, yeah. just just to run the clock down to, mm-hmm. to you know to give her um, the legs a rest. And you know we did, we didn't let him down over there. No. And like, you're right. I think that kind of given the confidence then in in league play then um, to see that we had a bit more of a use rather than yeah. just to make up the numbers. So the playoff group in uh, this season, ninety three, ninety four. <laughs> Very unkind on the travel. Backseat Posse probably enjoyed this. Whitley, Whitley, Durham, Nottingham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of eight, eight, eight hours yeah. uh, bus trips there. Yeah. Uh, Sixteen-hour round trip, which so, meant you could go out the night before <laughs> because you could sleep yeah. it off. You could all sleep it off the <laughs> to, to Whitley Bay then. Yeah, but in all seriousness, that's grueling to do two of those in, in a playoff. Uh, run they are they, that can't yeah. be good yeah I mean the playoffs was spread over a number of weeks there right? yeah. I think you said like you know we would finish the regular season start of March so yeah. it was only ever you know one game mm-hmm. a one away game on a weekend yeah. so it was no I mean it, and it wasn't that long ago that we were doing the, you know bus trips to yeah. Dundee I mean Absolutely. even you know even first year of the new ownership mm-hmm. we were doing bus trips to uh, to Dundee to play a game yeah. and then busting straight home um, and a lot of teams still do that yeah, to they this do. day. Yeah, you know? uh, So I mean, it just it just doesn't feel weird when you've done it all your life. I mean, when you're a junior, you 
you know, bus to uh, Medway, mm-hmm. which would take you, you know, five, six hours or um, down to Gosport or wherever it was. So you're used to the, the, it was just part of it. And, you know, we'd, you know, we'd have a laugh on the bus, watch movies and stuff. And it was, yeah. it never felt like a chore to do it. It was just hanging out with your mates on the bus, really. Should just say, this, this year was the first emergence. We knew that Sheffield were coming. Um, because I think possibly they finished second that year. And I remember this year for the playoff groups, they actually did a draw. So first and second got put into Group A and Group B, but everyone else was drawn out of a hat, like an FA Cup draw. I remember Nico Tooman did it on the ice. It was it was in Cardiff. Um, but but Sheffield had, had, I think, finished second and were the second seeds. Uh, and they just, you know, they had the new arena and we'd won the league that year and we had beaten them, but it was the first ominous sign that, that Sheffield were, were, were coming. They were the new boys on the block, yeah. weren't they? And they, they had, I mean, where Cardiff changed the, the landscape of hockey, you know, with the old checkbook hockey and mm-hmm. getting the Coopers and Moria, as you referenced before, all of a sudden they'd come in with the first arena, hadn't yeah. they? And there was the whole razzmatazz, mm-hmm. and they did a great job on that. They and, you did. Know, the loud music blaring, and the cheerleaders, and the, you know, the then player nicknames, wasn't yeah. it? You know, Magic Mark Mackies yeah. and Rocket Ron Shudra, yeah. all those guys, and... You know, that, that's the first time that the that it wasn't just a sport, it no, was entertainment, it was entertainment wasn't it? Uh, and they had this 9,000-seater yeah. arena, and we had, you know, previously, we were really happy with our 2,500-seater, mm-hmm. whatever it was, which was relatively new still. Yes. And all of a sudden, you're going into a 9,000-seat, they just looked, you know. Yeah, it was, and they back. filled it, credit to yeah. them, they, they filled yeah. it. What was that first visit to Sheffield like? What were, what were you expecting when you went up there? Yeah, I, I just remember going up there and enjoying it actually, yeah. enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying the music that was bla- blasting out. And I mean, it hasn't changed. <laughs> no, enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> the same playlist. And that, yeah. and like, I mean, can't I, Joe, managed to sneak in around 1996. <laughs> yeah. Before that, it was it was that sweet soul music. Yeah, yeah. Do you like the music? Yeah. Um, that was playing all the time, and yeah. I thought that was really cool. You yeah, had the woo-woo, didn't you? And oh, yeah. yeah. Did you have the wishes behind you then? Probably. I think you had the wishes behind you. Yeah. The, the woo-woo was pretty... Because uh, I remember Johnny Lawless making a joke of that once. But uh, it was, as you said, it, was, it was, wasn't was just hockey. It was entertainment. It, yeah. yeah. And, and they, that, they were big. You, you, it, just, it, it felt bigger than... than and you got to remember, we... It must have been how Durham felt when Devils came along because we thought we were the new kids. We yeah. thought we knew everything better. We thought we did everything better. And we did. We won things. Then all of a sudden, we were this established club. And albeit we'd, we'd won the league that year, but you just felt that there was this threat to the establishment. Um, and, and credit to Sheffield, they, they did it really well. But um, if you're a long-standing Devils fan now, I think, and you say it with a grudging respect, no matter the rivalries that developed with Coventry and the long-standing rivalry with Nottingham, Sheffield is the team you always want to beat, even if they finish in the league position they did this year. And, and I think for me, it came out of that Sheffield taking what we had. No, you don't never like anyone taking what you had. And, and Sheffield came along and, and took our place as, as the top dogs in British hockey. Although not quite yet, cause, <laughs> because Wembley. <laughs> I can't wait for us to do a deep dive on uh, the Sheffield Steelers. That will be quite an episode. Mm-hmm. But for now, we'll uh, switch back to this 93-94 playoff group. Unbeaten during the group stage. Five wins, one draw. Uh, Quite uh, a couple of last home games. A 15-3 victory over the Nottingham Panthers. That's probably where I got my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And a 10-9 victory over Whitley. 
Yeah. That's uh, that sounds like quite a nail biter. I, we we what you said with the Devils, we in the, in those two seasons, we were qualified by the second weekend. So um, it's fair to say those last couple of games, they were maybe dead rubbers, but because the fact you got 79 goals in them, they were still reasonably entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the danger, isn't it, of having the, the round robin, yes. is that somebody always has a bad start to it and they're out, their yeah. guys are checked out, and then it, you know, you've already qualified and, you know, then the backup gets played and yes. the kids get played. And, yeah. Um, that's why I think your solution is actually the best of both worlds, the best of three, and then you go to a final four weekend. Thank you very much. Oh, hey, credit, <laughs> credit's rich, Jim. The group stage done and dusted. It is then on to Wembley weekend. The semi-final is against the Five Flyers. Mm-hmm. Is this on the Friday or the Saturday? It's back to the Saturday. Back that was the, the first Saturday. year they went back to the Saturday. Um, and uh, kind of a bit of a weird game. Um, Franny was very good in it. And again, was there live. Then you come back and you watch what you've recorded on Grandstand. And, and Barry Davis has some great commentary to a, a, a Franny defensive play when he annoys Ryan Kumu. So that Ryan Kumu scored an own goal. And Ryan Kumu was a good player. Played very well in Super League for, for Air. Was great for, for Fife. But he scored an own goal in that match. Putting it past Bernie McCrone. Remember there was a time when there was two pucks on the ice. And that was weird. Um, Doug Smale, who was absolutely brilliant for Fife. Went down on a breakaway on, on, on Woody. And, and the puck jumped over his stick. And he completely fanned on it. Um, it was just a bit of a mess of a game. Uh, maybe a little bit like the, the, the Nottingham Cardiff semi-final this year. With some great goals. But was a bit of a mess of a game it wasn't quite how you thought the game was going to be but you know we came out on the, the right side of it very similar scoreline 9-5 there we go yes. <laughs> the Devils win as well for any of your memories of the semi-final <clears throat> yeah I, I remember that bit with uh, with Kumu because I mean what I used to do when I was young is look for the biggest guy out there and try and get a hit on them because it, like it got our crowd into it you know you, you got the guys into it too because mm-hmm. they can see this you know, 16, 17 year old in a face cage going down and, and you know, making a hit on a guy that I think Kumu was six foot five or something like that, yeah. wasn't he? I hate to break this to you, Fred. You didn't just do that when you were young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That seemed to be a happy yeah. stuff. I, I just never developed anything else that, that took me away from that. You should so play five side football against them. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember we'd gone down, we were starting to get some ice time probably because the, the team were you know, a few goals up. We'd gone down the one end and we'd had a bit of a chance and then, you know, they've gone all the way the other way and it's Kumu who's jumped up from D and he's about to have a swipe of it and I think I come crashing in and I take Kumu out and I take the net out Mm -hmm. as well um, to try and get us a whistle um, because, you know, it looked like we're scrambling and, you know, we've still got that lawless voice in my head saying, whatever you do, don't concede and, you know, we're at Wembley here, we're getting a bit of ice time. And Barry Davis, yeah, yeah. the commentary, it was like, oh, look who it is, it's that man Francis again, which is uh, <laughs> always nice. great to, yeah. you know, to when you watch back the VHS and, mm-hmm. you know, you've watched it so many times that you've worn that bit of tape yes. out because you just rewound it and, uh-huh. and played it again. But no, that, that was my sort of memory of that Fife game is actually getting some ice time in Wembley mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, we also remember, I think it was... The song that they were using that year was E17 Gold, and it had this like chorus, and it <laughs> and it wasn't a typical E17 song. We didn't even know who it was, but it just like sounded amazing. Yeah. Mantu was well into his music. He found out what it was. So then we used to play that all summer then because it reminded it us. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, you know, the voice of Norman the Mosquito yes. and and all, all the uh, stuff that Wembley brought. But actually getting onto the ice then to say 
that you've played at Wembley, that's, that's you know, that's, huge. that's a huge tick off your list, isn't it? Because yeah. the year before, as fun as it was, it was a little bit empty that you didn't even get on the ice, so you can't ever say you've played at Wembley. No. Um, but this year, yeah, we, we got on in the semi-final, so nice. Edit this bit out because, but this has bugged me for twenty odd years or thirty odd years since play. Uh, I'm very OCD, and the Devils, you know, have this green and red kit and what have you. The GB players have been given their GB gloves, right? And they were they were they were blue and red Eastern gloves. The blue. So we had Rick Rabant, Shannon Hope, and a few of the others wearing their GB gloves, breaking ready for them the, in, yeah. breaking them in, and it just looked awful with the kit. <laughs> <laughs> it looked awful. It's not what I meant. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he had name checked by Barry Davis. Yeah. Uh, well, Getting on the ice at Wembley and Barry Davis actually saying your name. Yes. Like, you know, he you knows mean. who you are. That's like, you know, because you, again, you grew up with Barry Davis doing the commentary match yeah. of the day and mm-hmm. uh, and all that. And uh, yeah. And he's the voice from 1990 as yeah. well. Yeah. Sort of yeah. Wow. That's uh, quite something. And so progressing to the final, the mm. Sheffield Steelers at Wembley. What is the rivalry like with the Steelers at this point? I know, John, you've touched very well on them mm. kind of being the new kid on the block looking to bloody some noses of the establishment, but was it that kind of intense dislike that that is kind of there these days, or was that just festering and burning? I, I don't think it was, it was, it was there because you, you have to have history for that, and we didn't necessarily have history. What we did have was... Cardiff now, as I said, being the established club, and, and Sheffield took a lot of fans that weekend, and, and they were cocky, and, and they were cocky because they were naive to it all, just as we had been. That's that's not a criticism of them. So they just assumed they were going to win, and they just assumed they were they were going to be a, a, a great club, and, and and they are a great club, and they'd smash Nottingham in in the semi final, and and the the key difference for me as a fan, a fan and, and Franny might might disagree with this was in the semi final Selma Oldline had played and I thought Selma Oldline was a great player but he suffered from a, like a chronic back condition because uh, Selma Oldline I think played in the NHL himself had a brother who played in the NHL um, so he didn't play in the final um, so Steve Nemeth came back in and Nemeth was a, was a good player but it could have been a different game if if Oldline had had, had played but in terms of the rivalry ten one. Yeah, it would have been <laughs> uh, less ice time. Um, but but yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was the rivalry we have now because that's built on history. That's built on events that have happened over 20, 30 years there. It was just, uh, I say again, I use the phrase, we knew they were coming. We, we knew that they were coming and trying to take what we had. So they were very um, cocky that weekend. So it was kind of nice what happened in the, in the 60 minutes of that final. How were you feeling about this Sheffield Steelers team in the locker room that day? Did you have that sense that they were coming to try and take your crown? Was there any slight bit of nervousness about that? What were you feeling? I, I think we still, you know, having won it the year before, having won the league and being top dogs, I still think we had that bulletproofness mm-hmm. against them. But I, I know, I mean, the rivalry was definitely starting to build because I think the agitators that they had, the yeah, Tommy, Tommy Plummers Plummer. and the Cranstons, yeah. and stuff like that who were going out to, to get into the skin and I do remember that there was like a semi-brawl in the I want to say the tunnel but if you know what I mean in the yeah. in the um, corridor on the way to the locker room where somehow we ended up in the same quite narrow corridor <laughs> as them trying yeah. to get to our dressing rooms and I mean I'm not even sure what the period splits are there but I'm assuming that we had you know we would have been up a, yeah. a few so they were obviously trying to do whatever they mm-hmm. can, and I remember, you know, 
Tommy Plummer being in there and um, and Cranston and yeah. Shannon wading in there, yeah. and, you know, rattling guys by the head, and it it looked like it was going to kick off on an, an almighty scale, and yeah. it was you know it was just brewing that that kind of fierce competitiveness mm-hmm. um, that you know we had to beat them because we really didn't like them. They weren't just a, a you know a rival. There there was something. Yeah. It was getting quite personal at that stage. I think you know they had this you know like you say the big. Uh, arena and um, and all the razzmatazz and you could feel that they were coming and we're the top dogs and we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna stay top dogs. So yeah, you could there, there was a lot more. You could feel the tension a lot more, I think, that year than you could maybe in the previous year against yeah. say a Humberside. I got to say, Tommy Plummer is it uh, is one guy who um, he's probably a really really nice guy off here and and. Um, Franny went into a whole tirade about Dan Tessier in our last episode, which I loved. Tommy Plummer, I'm sure, is a lovely guy, but as a player, he's one player who I sort of actively disliked. And I remember in that <laughs> final, he, he hits Nicky Chin with kind of like a submarine hit, and went, and I think probably trying to get into Chinny's skin, and, and, and Chinny uh, uh, didn't fight him, but, but threw him around like a rag doll. And then Plummer had a fight with Brabant later in the game. And don't get me wrong, Plummer was a heart and soul guy for Steelers, and and probably like a Vezio for us if he plays on your team you love him but um, yeah I must admit I, I oh Tommy Plummer even now my, my hackles are going up <laughs> if it makes you feel bad he's got Trump paraphernalia all over his Facebook oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it's quite a remarkable scoreline for a final isn't it 12-1 it finishes um, as dominant as you like really and um was the Nicky Chin final? I was going to say, I yeah. think I think the star of the show was Nicky Chin, yes. wasn't it? And uh, yeah, he just somehow raised his game for those finals. So he was always like a, a quality player. He was incredibly, incredibly strong. You know, even from a very young age, and we remember that iconic fight with Mike Rowe, mm-hmm. where he kind of one punches him. Yeah. Um, you know, Chinny was a man from a young age. Um, you know, he was very handy with his fists. You know. It was the time when the devils were just on the rise, so quite often they're not. I mean, he was known in town, mm-hmm. so people would come looking for fights with him, so he had to deal with that. So he, he could handle himself yeah. very much. Um, but he was also really talented. He had great hands. He was strong on the puck. Um, and over the season, I don't think the point totals that you look at that he's got really reflect how dominant he could be mm-hmm. in games. But then when it came to the playoffs, something just used to click for Nicky Chin. And no matter what line he was on, he like he won like almost single-handedly the playoffs on more than one occasion yeah. for the Devils. He was fantastic that game. You know, he scored four goals. I think I remember one where start the second period and we were in front, but he he scored a big goal where he just I think it was he blew past Neil Abel um, by the players' benches, went around the side of Abel, cut him from the right-hand side, and, and with defensive pressure, slipped the puck past Martin McKay, and it was a really beautiful goal and it was just it's sort of everything that Franny mentioned there it was it was strength but it was agility it was it was stick handling um and I, I it was almost when we went to Super League I, I felt a bit sorry for Chinny because I thought he got sort of pigeonholed as this tough guy who could, who could maybe play third line and chip it I, I think he had a lot of natural skill uh, and I think in that final against Sheffield he was he was phenomenal yeah, I mean, I, I listened the other day to the um, 4,000 Encounter in podcast yeah. with, with Chinny, um, and, you know, it was a good interview, and you could just tell in his voice how he begrudged um, 
the Super League for pushing him into that role where he could have been so much as a yeah. player. I mean, he was asked that to go out and fight against guys coming out of the NHL as mm-hmm. fighters, you know, and, you know, like I said, Chenny's a big, strong boy, but he's still six foot as opposed to six foot five, yeah. you know, NHL yeah. tough guy. And he hasn't been doing it all his life. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there would have been so much more to Chinny if this, if the Super League hadn't yeah. gone down that route and, yeah. You know, the only role that was left for the handful of British guys was as, as your grinders because he was a, a very, very talented player. And that's why, although we're jumping ahead, but that's why it's nice that he had that kind of last moment in, in the 99 playoffs when it moved to Manchester mm-hmm. and that that uh, that Manchester game and, and for him to score another hat-trick that day. <laughs> it, it was almost nice because I... I it's not that his talent was wasted, but again, I just, I, I'm glad I haven't listened to that interview, but I wasn't sure whether he shared that frustration. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's plain as can be that it comes out that he is, I would almost say quite bitter about mm-hmm. the, the role that he had to play to, you know, to, to get a job in that league yeah. when he could offer so much more, he demonstrated it, but it didn't matter because, you, you know, there was new coaches coming into mm-hmm. the league and... Um, you know, they just saw, hey, he's a big, strong boy. He can go out and crash and bang for us and, yeah. and buy us a few third-line minutes. But, you know, he could, have been, he could have been a lot more than that. But, I mean, God, he still, you know, even though the way that he was playing, he still yeah. managed to carve out the, one of the longest careers. He did, yeah. Um, you know, I think he just hung him up last year, which he is did. incredible. He did. Absolutely. But, so it's a chin-four-goal show mm-hmm. and the all-Welsh goal is the other thing yeah. that's talked about. Uh, that in was... this uh, final and um, that that moment has endured over these last few decades. Well, I, I was I was saying this to Franny the other day, and obviously Franny will take you through all the emotions, what have you. Again, I refer perfect commentary combination: Barry <laughs> Davis and, and Paul Ferguson. Yeah, Paul Ferguson again. Yeah, Paul yeah, Ferguson. I, I love Paul Ferguson. And and again, you, you watch the game and then you go home, and the first thing you do when you get home from from Wembley, uh, you know, me and my dad would sit there and and we'd watch the the highlights straight back. Um, and the Paul Ferguson commentary on the goal when he's doing the replay, you know, he goes, yeah, this is, this is such a beautiful, simple goal. Carson, headmans the puck, makes a simple play to Francis. Francis gives it to Townsend. Townsend puts it on net. Okay, Mackay fans on it, but these are all simple plays. This is good hockey, and, and it, you know, it just... God, those are, those are... And I, you know, I didn't know Franny at the time, and I didn't know those, but as a, as a fan, as a Cardiff fan, you let... These are Cardiff boys that, that, that Paul Ferguson's talking about. This isn't an import, and this isn't someone we've brought in like the Coopers from Durham. These are Cardiff boys, which I've kind of grown up watching, and, and you know, I felt special watching it as a fan. God, what, what, what you must have felt. It's funny, when you look back at it, it's probably one of the least textbook goals <laughs> that you'll ever see, because like the plays that we made, I don't even know what we were thinking, but I think it came back to the point that We'd all play together yeah. as youngsters in junior hockey where, you know, you, you haven't got all the systems and stuff. But for some reason, I'm the right winger, and for some reason, I've got the puck in my own corner. Yeah. I don't even know why I'm <laughs> that far down. Like, as, as a winger, you should never be that far down. You should be probably around the hash marks, yeah. you know, keeping an eye on your D-man jumping down. But for some reason, I've gone back to get it in the corner. Maybe I, I, was, I was quite quick, so probably mm-hmm. I overskated it, and I found myself <laughs> back in that corner. And so from being in the corner, which I never should be, I then throw the puck right the way across the face of our goal yeah. to Lee Carson, who's in, the, who's in the other corner. So first of all, I'm sure Lawless didn't chalk up any play that involved <laughs> his third line, throwing the puck right yeah, across the face crease. of the goal. Yeah. 
Um, but then we used to do that move like quite a bit. So I would do that from the one corner. I'd throw it across and then I'd cut through the middle. And again, like, you know, Cass hits me with a pass through the middle. It's probably not the play- best place to skate for a pass no. or to receive one because you get hit going through the middle and they've got a breakaway going the other way and it's, you know, a good chance of a goal. But anyway, it, it comes off. It goes from me. It goes across to Cass. Cass gets his feet moving. I get my feet going through the middle. I get it. I pass it on to to Towns, mm-hmm. and it wasn't actually a great pass either. He has to take it on his he, skate, he's skate in the take air. it on his skate, and it's bobbling a little bit because yeah. I literally just kind of nudged it on rather than giving it like a nice flat pass. Just nudged it on to Towns. We knew Towns had a good shot. Um, the puck was still bobbling, and he just lets his rocket go, and it goes through McKay's five hole, doesn't mm-hmm. it? You know, and it was just the ultimate slap in the face for yeah. Martin McKay, who was a GB goalie. Mm-hmm. He's just conceded 11 already in yeah. the playoff finals where they probably thought this is our moment to bump Cardiff off the uh, off the throne. Um, and not only have we put 11 on them, but these bunch of kids in face yeah. masks have just like passed it everywhere that you shouldn't. And, you know, one of their kids has just gone 5-0 on me. But... Yeah. Uh, I just remember that that moment, like when we realised that it'd gone in and straight to town, and I think our bench cleared. It did. That's a yeah, yeah. goal. <laughs> which, if you think about that, as you know, again, what a slap in the face yeah. as to Sheffield that, like, we've literally cleared the benches yeah. and we're celebrating on the ice in front of them. But uh, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing moment, and still brings back amazing memories. I, I think for me, and and. Lawless had one more year before he left to Manchester, but unfortunately we, we, we didn't win the title that year. Sheffield did win. But to, to me, it almost felt like a culmination of the first part of Devil's history where you've started in 86 and you're now at 94. Lawless has developed the team. He's developed the fan base. We've won championships. And then you get this goal at Wembley, this real, the last goal of the game where juniors have scored it. So you've got this junior development program that's, that's culminated in scoring the last goal at Wembley. So... I always think of it, it might be just me, but it's a really nice bookend to that, that, that the whole fairy tale period, as I call it. And, and I was a kid at the time, so it seems a bit more magical. But kind of 86 to that Wembley day in 94 just feels like a fairy tale era for me. And it was a real kind of fitting finish that it was Cardiff Juniors who scored that goal at Wembley. Yeah, and it wasn't just like the, the three of us that got the points on it too. I mean, all five players yeah. were Welsh players. We had James Manson, Lee yeah. Carson, myself, Keats and Towns. You know, and that was that, that, that lie. I mean, it's not all, normally when we got on as a, even when we were starting to play a bit more, me, Keats and Towns, we would have Shannon and Stephen with yeah. us because if anything <laughs> went wrong, you had them kind of mopping it up at the back. But, you know, Lawless has, has gone for the fairy yeah. tale and, it, and it's come off. It's and made it, off. Yeah, but I think was he was dressed that day as oh, he, well. Yeah, he was dressed. He was dressed and he actually put us out for a shift after that. And I remember I get the puck going up my way. And I think it might be Mance that gave it to me. So I get the puck going up my wing and I've got an obvious pass to make yeah. um, to maybe Towns and I stopped and I saw Lawless fly yeah. and in that split second I remember thinking, can you imagine how incredible this will be if I can, <laughs> if I can feed Lawless yeah. with a breakaway pass and he goes down and score, yeah. like he's going to love me. Yeah. So I literally, last minute, checked on the play I was going to make and I hit Lawless with probably the best pass of my career. <laughs> And it literally split the D, which yeah. I've never done since. And he goes through, and he's on a breakaway, and I'm like, it's going to happen. It's gonna <laughs> and then the linesman blows it offside. Oh. And it was not offside in a million years. 
it was honestly it was like the most perfect pass yeah. I've ever played the the perfect skate yeah. from, from Lawless you know he's obviously keen to get a goal uh-huh. you know he, he's still you know yeah, you can he's imagine he's going to shoot the scoreboard isn't he yeah. even at 13-1 <laughs> he's shooting that scoreboard especially against Sheffield yes. you know he's going to really rub salt in the wounds so I, yeah I, I checked on this pass to town I made this pass and I think oh my yeah I've just done it like shredded it through and he, he blows it down and even by the time he blew it down and all that he still wasn't offside you know it was it was and I watched it and watched it again just to check you know? <laughs> but it, it wasn't offside and I was just gutted that I didn't give Lawless the yeah. opportunity sure. you know and, and he would have loved that oh, coming from one of the youngsters as well yeah but magical completely magical there we go your best playoff memory Franny that 100% yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That was... Um, Kegs still in the dressing room this year? Kegs in the dressing room, <laughs> burgers there, yeah. Um, yeah, probably um, smashed down a number of burgers to celebrate because we actually got ice time. Remember yeah. last time we were only feeding enough just yeah. to sit on the bench for two hours. We haven't eaten for four hours. This no. time we've actually got some ice time yeah. and, and stuff. So yeah, Heineken K. Was it even Heineken? No, no it, it wasn't was, Heineken. It was, no. yeah, it but we would have still had kegs yeah. in the dressing room burgers brought in like mm. you were just waiting for that moment you know yeah. you're all celebrating in there and then that tray of burgers arrived oh. and it's just the best sight ever <laughs> and the other great thing about Wembley I almost forgot about this Wembley watches Wembley I've, I've got one yeah Wembley watches so you didn't oh. have a medal you had a Wembley yeah. watch okay and I don't know what kind of watch they actually were before they stuck the you yeah. know the, the British Championship mm-hmm. sticker on them but it was like getting a Rolex Oh, you know, you got these watches in a case, and yeah, I it's, uh, French might when um, I w- was kind of uh, sort of involved uh, a little bit in helping organise the twenty fifth anniversary celebrations yeah. back in ten eleven. Um, we had different ownership at the time, and, and perhaps ones that that, that uh, you know, plane fares weren't weren't going to be completely. Uh, comped uh to, to the entirety so we had to rely on a lot of british players uh whereas sheffield would find a lot of imports uh in um so i was getting in touch with guys like robbie morris um and and you know merv priest we talked about and, and and paul farmer and paul farmer was so delighted to be asked to come to a a, um, a devil's reunion uh, the, and it really really touched me he actually gave me his his watch from wow, um, really? Wembley '90, so I've Very got touch. it. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it framed now, and um, I'm sure Paul's not listening. But if he is, one of my most treasured possessions. So I didn't earn anything, whereas Franny did. But I got to say a big thank you to Paul Farmer. He was kind enough to give me his Wembley watch. Wow, what a great nice yeah. chair. Mm. And hopefully Paul uh, is listening. Yeah. Um, right. Well, we've been rather succinct, gentlemen. We've hit our for brief the first time. For it's a change. Only taken us seven episodes. And yeah. Any any other business on the the playoffs? We will touch on them again. We've got Manchester. We've got so many different uh, yeah. events in Nottingham to cover. But for this sort of Wembley era, yeah, podcast, um, we'll probably touch on 1990 and mm-hmm. a bit more in the future as well. But any other business that we'd like to wrap up here at the moment? Yeah, I, I, just for me to say that no matter what format it's in, the fact it's that last game of the season yeah. and all that is ahead of you is three months without games, mm. it, no matter what format it's in and whether you think it should be a, a best of seven or mm. you think you know, the, the weekend is fine, it's just the most magical feeling 
to to win that game and to leap over the boards at the end and throw your gear off in the air where normally when it's a league championship you know it's coming i mean sometimes they get one on the last yeah. day um you know but it more often than not they're decided in advance and i think that you know that feeling that this is the, this is the last game of the season we've just won it that moment where the buzzer goes and you literally jump over and everyone heads to the goalie and jumps on them throws off your gear that is just the the ultimate feeling in in hockey that that i that i've experienced as a fan i think look i i am very much the the football mentality the league trophy is the most important and and it's great to to win the league trophy but i think what the playoffs gives you um is something a bit more iconic you know we've talked about it you talk about Stephen Cooper's equalising goal at, at Wembley. You talk about Tony Han missing that last penalty shot and, and Jeff Smith throwing his helmet off and the whole team coming in. You know, 48 Brian Kamarisha takes a flying leap. Brian Kamarisha, <laughs> the rest join in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fournier's goal this year. You, you, you think, all right, it was painful for us, but but Sheffield in that final couple of years ago, that double overtime, what it must have been like to, to score that, that winning yeah. goal. So, and I still, we still remember Levi Nelson as much as it hurts. You, still, yeah. you, still you remember, remember that you, as a moment. You, you, you do. You remember the, the you know, Franny and G put together some teams that, that shouldn't have got to finals but did get to finals. Evan Chevry scores a penalty yeah. shot. Evan Chevry scores. Yeah. yeah, so they might hurt and they, or they might be the best things ever, but the one thing the playoffs gives you, which is slightly different from the league, is these iconic moments that kind of last a lifetime okay i'll throw out one final question then playoff final Mm -hmm. how should it be decided penalty shootout or keep playing till the death i think i'm a fan of keeping playing till the death i like that five on five battling there's no you win that way you win as a team or you lose as a team i think Logic in me says, yeah, you, the fairest way is you play five on five. You know, I've, I've been on the end of the Devils winning on a penalty shootout as a fan, and that's the, that was the best thing ever. And I've been on the end, I think, is it twice we've lost on penalty shots? Once to Nottingham, once to Belfast. So I've lost a playoff final on penalty shots, and that's the worst feeling. So it kind of decide, determines which, which side you come out on it. But I think the level that the elite league's at now, and if you talked about that final this year, Cardiff-Belfast, which I thought was a, as a great game, if that had been one all uh, when the buzzer went and not two one Cardiff, I think just just for the honour of those players who 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 had been superb all year for both teams, just let them keep playing. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that we've got shootouts in to decide regulation mm. games because it's exciting, isn't it? Any sport, yeah. you get a shootout, you know, it's exciting. So I'm glad we get to see that. But I agree with you, in a one-off final for everything, um, even if it, you know, that one year in Sheffield, I mean. Some of the minutes that those guys, that you think like the likes of Hotham played. Yeah. I mean, you. It was everyone was running on empty, but and you know it took a goal, yeah, maybe against the run of play or whatever it was, and you know a, a bullet shot from Levi Nelson, and it was, you know, the teams are drained. But I think you're right to give. If our final this year against Belfast had gone to straight to you know five minutes overtime mm. and then a shootout. You know, and you lose on that, then you feel like it's not been, it's not been won almost. No. Um, but I think if you, you know, if you're the team that that grinded out, 
um, after even if it's multiple periods of overtime, then you know you earn you earn your salt, haven't you? Well, I remember that year where um, the 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 first year in the Big Blue Tent, the Mark Smith season, the season where G had to take over coaching halfway through. We lost to Nottingham on penalty shots, and and Gaz, you know, as a fan, I'm sure you remember Nottingham. My recollection didn't have to win a game of hockey that year. Yeah, they won every game on, or they won every tie on 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 penalty shots, and with a very bad goalie as well. With not the greatest goalie in the world, because I think pads are still in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. small little fella. Um, So this sounds like sour grapes. Great shootouts. (laughs) Yeah, you what? Like that that aside, it's because he was so unpredictable. He didn't know what he was going to do, no. so the shooter didn't know what he was going to no. do. And that was... Uh, was it Trevor Gallant who I think scored the winner for, yeah. for Nottingham, maybe? So, uh, that, it sounds like sour grapes because we came out on the, 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 the wrong side of it. But I think for that reason, you know, for, for the Devils in adversity that season, playing in a temporary rink, which we didn't have till December, Jared Adams came in halfway through, we had to go to a player coach because otherwise we would cut players, etc., etc. And we probably should have won that, that playoff final. And I think if overtime had kept going we probably would have won that playoff final. So to lose it when a team actually hasn't won a game of hockey, um, yeah, I think, you, you you know, in that in that last game of the season, you just kept playing until somebody scores. There we go. We got the playoff format all sorted. If the Elite League <laughs> would like to contact us. Best and, of uh, three, back to Wembley, final yeah. four. Play and to the death. Play to the death. And Wimpy, we will accept sponsorship yeah. from you. And if you want to deliver burger and chips... For when we do this podcast to give evoke memories yeah. as long as they bring them in crates and there's like right. you know one of the crates is just full to the brim with chips and the other one full oh, to a grazing shed's closer yeah absolutely grazing shed's only down the road so you yeah know. and they do deliver in this area now there so, they do uh, yeah, yeah. They, we're know. plugging you grazing sheds if you want to throw a bit of sponsorship and they the are podcast. far better quality than anything you'd find in any uh i've enjoyed restaurant. them all season the, the, yeah. the best signing the devil's made this year <laughs> <laughs> and just to confirm guys we are once we finish this podcast a new a new sign out we will be listening to brass bonanza yes we will okay, we will good. have this as an outro from now on and maybe we'll put run with the devil as an intro as well okay. yeah, uh, that was going a good whoever made that that was a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes i think that's quite fitting Excellent. and it, it'll save people listening the last thing they hear is my voice which is terrible whether you're in the car <laughs> whether you're in the living room you know your wife has to listen to you all the time <laughs> no we're, we're going to the gateway remember yeah um, but in terms of this off season, we'll carry on doing these, gentlemen. We'll, Absolutely, we'll yeah. keep uh, getting them out um, fairly regularly. And uh, thank you, as always, for all of your support. We'll try and take away those off season blues with uh, memories of what a fantastic journey that Neil has had as a player and what this uh, this club has been as well. So, uh, on behalf of myself, thank you very much, John. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Ryan. Cheers, guys. And we will be back with another episode in the coming weeks. Good night, all.